Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Uh, you'll have to excuse my voice. It's a consequence of the week of uh, chemo treatment. Uh, I'm doing well. Weak, but well, and my voice especially is weak, but uh, anyhow, we're rejoicing in the Lord. It's so good to be back with you. I'm doing well because God is good. God is good. All the time. And all the time. Again, I, I've been repeating that the last number of times I've been here because it is one of the same things that is sustaining me. God's word is so special and so precious. And his goodness in that last hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. That's taken right from the words of Lamentations chapter 3. In Lamentations chapter 3, it says uh, <clears throat> that uh, the, the author of Lamentations here said, Remember mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall. My soul hath them still in remembrance, hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. This I recall to mind. Therefore, I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait on him, to the soul that seeketh him. <clears throat> we had a great summer. We had two months break from chemo. And it was amazing uh, to have that break. But we had to start back uh, another round of chemo on the day after Labor Day. And uh, that session was a, a hard session. Each session has gotten harder over the last year. And uh, well, we got through it. Strength did not come back as quickly as, as it had in the past. And the same thing this time. Usually when I have a, a chemo treatment uh, on Monday, uh, by uh, Thursday, Friday, I begin to feel a little better, stronger. And uh, last time it was uh, Monday and Tuesday before a week later that I got feeling stronger. And it looks like it's going to be that this week as well. I feel better today than I have uh, all week. But uh, again, uh, uh, I know my strength's coming back. I'm thankful for that. I hate to admit it, but uh, <clears throat> over the last number of months, I have had some difficult days. <clears throat> I've had days where I've experienced what I've uh, really never experienced before. Doubts, discouragement, questioning, wondering. As I say, I've never really experienced that to the degree that I have on the odd day. By the way, I'm not contagious as part of the sinuses, but uh, <clears throat> the chemo has just destroyed so much of it. But uh, anyhow, during those deep days, um, I, that's, that's the reason I've not sent out updates somewhat, because I've been struggling. <coughs> but God's been so faithful, and I marvel 
and his faithfulness. And in the last treatment that we had before this one, I went through another one of those dark days. And through the summer, I began to, and many of you have heard me say before, the book of Isaiah is one of those books in the Bible that that uh, there's a lot of great verses in it. But it's a verse that I have always personally struggled with. As far as going through, uh, it's a book in the Bible I have never taught. It's uh, and, and I've taught all the rest of them. But uh, Isaiah is one, for some reason, I had just always struggled with. And as a result, through the summer, when I had the time off, I did a lot of reading and thinking, meditating in the book of Isaiah. And actually, it has become the place that I have camped this last month. uh, Because it has spoken to me so much and challenged me so much. God has been so faithful through those dark days each day. And uh, just uh, a couple of weeks ago, Isaiah 40, excuse me, 41. Isaiah 40 has always been one of my favorite chapters, especially verses 29 through 31. But Isaiah 40, uh, 41, verses 10 through 13, uh, God just encouraged me and challenged me so much from this passage of Scripture. And that encouragement has been such a great blessing to me that that I really felt that I needed to share that encouragement with you this morning. The Lord, I believe, wants us to be encouraged. He wants our faith to be strong. He wants us to be able to trust Him no matter what circumstance or situation. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 41. And I'm going to read verses 10 through 13. Isaiah 41, verses 10 through 13. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yes, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all they that were incensed against me shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they that strive with thee perish. Thou shalt seek them, and shalt not find them. Even, <clears throat> even them that contend with thee, they that war against thee shall be as nothing, and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. And then the very first words of the next verse, fear not. As I read through this passage of scripture and meditated on it, I have noticed here there are two commands and six promises. Really, there's uh, three commands and seven promises, but one of the commands is repeated twice and one of the promises is repeated twice. When you look at this and, and go through it, did you hear the commands? Maybe I can give Owen and Ali and, and yeah, what are your name? Jacob. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a, a quiz. <clears throat> what were the two commands that we read? Were you listening? What were the two commands? Look at the very first verse, verse 10, and the first few words give you both commands. 
Don't make make me ask the adults. I don't want to embarrass them. What are the two commands, Jacob? Verse 10 of Isaiah 41. Okay, Owen. Fear not and be not dismayed or discouraged. Very good. Boy, this is his day today, isn't it? Good man. All right. So those are the two commands. Fear not. And actually, when we went on to verse 14, we could really say it was repeated three times. Because it's repeated in verse 10, verse 13, and then in verse 14, which is outside of the scripture that I was really looking at this morning. But there are also then the other command that we have is be not dismayed. Be not dismayed. Now, God has given to us, and it's amazing to me again, when God gives us a command, when God teaches us a responsibility, there's always his help, his provision in that. And so he gives to us these great promises. Notice the promises now. And these are promises that we need to cling to as believers. These are promises not just given in Isaiah, and we'll talk a little bit about why these promises were given in Isaiah and to the children of Israel. But these are promises that are given all the way through the scriptures, to David, to to Job, to to Moses, to and you go through every one that's in God's honor roll of faith, we're given these commands and these promises. And I find it interesting to follow that through. But the first promise he says is, I am with thee. I'm with you. No matter where, no matter what. We are never alone. Sometimes we feel alone. Sometimes we feel that, that, that whoa, everybody's abandoned. But we have not. God is always with us. He says, I am thy God. It's personal. It's nice to know that he's your God when you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior. But I tell you what you really need to know. He's my God. And God says this. He says, I am your God. I'm thy God. And then he says, I will strengthen me. And again, we get encouragement. We get strength from other people. One of the reasons we gather together as believers is, is to draw strength from one another. We need that fellowship. But our real strength, the source of our strength, is from the Lord. Without him. I mean, man has been amazing through this. The strength, the support. But I tell you, our strength comes from the Lord. He's our source of strength. And he says, I will help thee. He will help us. So personal here. And how does he help us? He says, I will uphold thee with my, with the right hand of my righteousness. His own righteousness. God is a holy God. God is a God who makes promises and cannot lie. And God's the one and the only one that can do what he's promised. And he says he's going to uphold us with his right hand of righteousness. And that means that everything God does is right. It's good. He doesn't make mistakes. Nothing slips his attention. And then he says, again, I, the Lord, will hold thy right hand. Now, again, isn't that special? You know, right hand. Now, again, after spending years in, or not years, uh, time, extended time in India, 
I never really understood the difference between the right and left hand until I knew you. But the left hand is considered the dirty hand. All right? And there's practical reasons for that. I'm not going to go into, obviously. But but it's the dirty hand. The right hand is the hand of comfort. The right hand is a, is a hand that, that you hold out in friendship. The right hand is the hand that, that you usually, uh, uh, when you're, uh, want to encourage somebody you know, and help them. And so the Lord will hold my right hand. He won't let go of it. And then the last command, that's the seventh one, or repeated one, I will help thee. <clears throat> so he makes these promises to us. Let's get the setting for this. Because again, I get so upset when I hear people teach God's word and they don't look at the context, they don't consider the setting. And I believe that one of the great failures we make is to try to apply God's word and to try to make God's word relevant without understanding the setting. If you go back in the book of Isaiah, just very quickly for a minute, you'll find that the book of Isaiah is divided into two parts. And some people have called the book of Isaiah a miniature Bible because there's 66 chapters All right, in the book of Isaiah. The Bible has 66 books. The first part of the book of Isaiah has 39 chapters, and it parallels the Old Testament. The last book of, of part of Isaiah has 27 chapters, and that parallels the New Testament. The Old Testament part, the first 39 chapters, tell us about God's impending judgment because God's a holy God. And when his children were disobedient, God had, was going to judge them. And then in the last uh, 27 chapters, uh, which parallel the New Testament, we have God's magnificent, unfold, magnificent, magnificent unfolding of redemption through the, the personal work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why in Isaiah 52 and 53 and 54, we read so much about the suffering of Christ. And it talks about this great redemption that he has for us. So shortly after, or actually the beginning of book number two, or the second part of the book of Isaiah, the very first words that he starts with, and it's because of what the first half, of the, the first part of the book of Isaiah was about, impending judgment, a disobedience of the children, God being holy and having to, to be a holy God has to deal with, with sin in our life and so on. <clears throat> the people were discouraged. The people were really down. And so the very first words in the, in the, in the second book of, of Isaiah here, the second half of it, is comfort you, comfort you, my people. The people needed comfort. And this was the Spirit of God prompting Isaiah to comfort the people. Now, there's a lot of great comfort in Isaiah before that for, for those who are looking for it. Uh, you know, we have the, have a, in Isaiah chapter 1, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, it talks about that. And then you get to Isaiah 6, and you have the, the great passage on, on the holiness of God, that Isaiah, the vision Isaiah saw of, of the holy God, and, and Isaiah himself saying, uh, to making himself available to, to, to serve the Lord, to, to live for the Lord. And then you go on through, and there's just promise after promise that we do have. <clears throat> but so often, that people don't notice those promises that God has given to them. And so when you get to chapter 40, the people are in desperate need. Discouragement, downcast, 
dismayed, they are in trouble. And so, God comforts his people. And that starts in chapter 39, or excuse me, 40, and goes through. But as I was thinking about this and meditating on this, basically, I, I read an article. And the article was, was strange the way it started. The art article said, yeah, let me start by pointing out two important things concerning the prefix dis. That caught my attention. D-I-S. And that's interesting, because I just read Isaiah 40 verse, or 41, where it says, Be not dismayed. And so it really grabbed my attention, because I've been thinking about that. But he said this, he said, he said, the first of all, the word with a prefix, dis, when you put dis in front of a word, it puts the word in reverse. <laughs> I shook my head. Where is he going? Put dis in front of a word, and it puts the word in reverse. And then he goes ahead and says, he says, for instance, example, take the word ease. <coughs> put dis in front of it, what do you have? disease. It's put ease in reverse. He goes on and says uh, content. Discontent. Courage. Discourage. Appoint or appointment. Disappointment. And he went through a whole list like that. And, wow. God here is speaking pretty strong. How many of those dis words have crept into our lives as believers? God says, be strong and have good courage. So we go around discouraged. God says, in all things, we're to be content. So we're discontent. And we go through. And so God's challenge me through that little statement. Because really, when you look at it, the word dismayed or discouragement is one of the biggest setbacks in every person's life. I'm sure every one of you have experienced some of this. You've experienced days of discouragement. You've experienced days of that where you felt, is it worth it? And I have been to that place where I just said, I, I just am ready to give up. And God says, uh-uh. No. Jack, since 2006, when you left Guelph, your daily prayer has been that you finish well. You can't give up. And I won't. By his grace. So, I want to look at these two commands very quickly. And then I want to very quickly look at the promises. I'm going to really probably shorten this this morning rather than turning to about 100 references that I'd like to turn to with. I'm, I'm just going to give them to you. So if you've got a paper and pencil, I would encourage you to get it out and maybe write some of these. But we have when we look at these two commands. The first command that's given is fear not. Do you realize that if you would go and read through the Bible, this command in one form or another is repeated over 200 times. 
It is the most often repeated command in the Bible. Over 200 times you will find it. Fear not, do not, do not fear, be not afraid. So obviously it's a problem that God knows that his people struggle with, fear. There's so much unknown. Now I can say that I don't think I've really ever been a man of fear. <coughs> My son says I'm crazy sometimes because I delight in being a tent in a thunderstorm. <laughs> um, you know, but most people are afraid of that, but for some reason I love it, especially out under a big old tree. <laughs> it's going to attract the lightning. But when you uh, when you look at it, uh, I'm not a fe- I'm, I'm not a fearful man for the most part. But I can tell you, I have experienced some fear through this, not of death, but of the method. You know? And I think that's a, a legitimate fear that a lot of us have. We're not a fear of the, the end, we're a fear of the process that we're going to go through. But God says, fear not. And that's not a suggestion that God's making to us. That is a command that he has given to us. It's an important command. The command, and when God gives a command, he almost follows every command with an action. An action for us to take and an action that he is taking. The action for us to take is fear not. So stop being afraid. Fear cripples us. Fear gets our attention on the wrong thing. Fear causes us to focus not on the Lord and and how great our God is. It causes us to focus on our situation, our problem. And that's the last place that we need to focus. Because the problem creates the fear. And the fear cripples us from our walk in the joy of the Lord and our salvation. And so he commands. Not a suggestion, a command. And notice, when we look at this, this command, <coughs> we see in this three things as far as God's part. I said our part is to stop fear. God's part, though, is past, present, and future in this. Notice as I go through some of these verses, and if you go back to verse 9, we don't give in to fear because God says, I have. Right? This is God working in the past. He said, uh, in this, he said, Thou art my servant, I have chosen you. God's done something. God chose me. And I can rest in that. I tell you, you know, God, God didn't, when he chose me, choose me necessarily. Okay, you sit back. You're, you're going to be a preacher and life's going to be easy and it's going to be amazing. No, he chose me for a path. And every step in that path is to be used for his glory. And so I don't have to fear because God has chosen me to walk this path. Isn't that great? I'm blessed to be able to walk this fast. Difficult days? Sure. Sufficient grace? You better believe it. You see? So, his past. I don't have to fear because God's activity in the past. Israel didn't have to fear because of God's faithful history with Israel in caring for them. Even though he had to now judge them, he said, you don't have to fear. I've chosen you as a nation. You and I don't have to fear because God's chosen us 
as his people. I am so glad that I'm a child of God. Believe <coughs> And then the next thing he says in verse 10, he says that we don't have to fear because God says, I am. Right? In the past, he says, I have. This is what I've done. Now, the end of verse 10, he says, I am. Notice, I am with thee. I am thy God. All right? So, again, present reality. He didn't say, I will be. He says, I am. Present reality. I don't have to fear. He's my God right now, where I'm at. Every circumstance, every situation. And then, well, down in verse 10 and 13, we discover that the uh, God's part of this is the future. He says, I will. I will. So you go on down, and, and after <clears throat> he says, I am your God, I will strengthen uh, 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 I am with thee, I am your God. Then he says, I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee. All right? And again, the promise of what God will do every day. He's been faithful in the past. He's here, present, faithful. And he will continue. He is the same yesterday, today, forever. He's the one who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. See, we have such a faithful God. So the first command, fear not. Why? Because God established our past. He's with us in our present, and he's going to carry through our future. And of course, we have that wonderful prayer of Paul in Philippians chapter 1, where he says, He who has begun a good work in you will perform it. He's going to carry it through to the end. That great security and safety that we have in him. <coughs> and then he gives a command, Be not dismayed. And so there's that dis word, all right? Maybe you think I'm up here dizzy this morning, but it's an important word. The word dismay. There are several synonyms. If you would look up in Webster's Dictionary, you'd find several synonyms for this word dismay. Disappointed, discontent, disgruntled, disenchanted, disillusioned, discouraged, distressed, disquieted are all used as synonyms. And so remember, Diz puts things in reverse. When you're quiet, to be dismayed, you're disquieted. And so, and so Joshua 1 9. <clears throat> I got it right, dear. <laughs> I've been quoting this off and on all summer, and I've been quoting Joshua 1 8 instead of 1 9. And she's pointed it out a few times, but I've never smart enough to remember it. I did this morning. <clears throat> Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be, dis be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest, wherever, whatever, whenever. Isn't that great? Now, if Joshua had to heed that command, and it was given to him by God, it was given to him by Moses, it was given to him by the people, you know, how much more do we need to be reminded as believers? We can't be dismayed. 
Don't let discouragement defeat us. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. So two commands. Now again, what's my part? My part is to stop being discouraged. Stop being dismayed. Don't let it get me down. Keep my focus where it belongs. What's God's part? He's with me. He'll never fail me. Right? He's got a path lined up for me. And I can tell you, it's a good path, though maybe hard. God works all things together for good. He doesn't make mistakes. And again, remind you of one of my favorite little stories, but it's God never says oops. Nothing catches God by surprise. God knows in the beginning. And I know some of you have gone through deep water and, and hard days, and I've, I've had the, the privilege of walking with some of you through some of those things. But with the same token, we've all been able to find His sufficient grace every day. All right? So let's look very quickly at the promises He gives. We know the commands fear not, be not dismayed. But look at the promises. First promise, I am with thee. <coughs> this is the promise of his presence. When we talk about the promise of his presence, let me give to you some scripture references. Again, we're not going to turn to them because of my voice being a little weaker this morning than normal, and also because Steve only gave me nine minutes, <laughs> which I've already taken. But Deuteronomy chapter 31. One of the resources that, that Moses had and Moses gave to, uh, to, Jacob, or to Joshua was that, that uh, uh, important statement that God would be with him. He'd be with Joshua as he would lead the people. He'd be with people as he led them into the land. And so God is with us. His presence. And remember, his presence is, is pervasive. It's everywhere. Think about it just for a minute. I spent <clears throat> a month in northern Ontario. God was with me. Did you miss him? You didn't miss him, did you? Because he's here. God is present everywhere, all the time, in the fullness of his being. I have the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in me up there. You have him throwing you here. And God's not diminished in any way. God's presence is pervasive. Man, that's, that's amazing. God can give me 100% of his attention while he's giving you 100% of his attention. You can't do that. Okay? Because God is God. And God's presence is so pervasive. God's presence is personal. It's with me. It's with you, you can say. It's personal. And I tell you, God's presence is powerful. When we realize the strength that he gives, we just stop and realize, God, you're here. I'm safe. No worry. Joshua 1, 9, I already quoted a great verse for you to consider. is 1 Chronicles chapter 28, 20. 
the promise that, that David gave. And as God was with David, he says he's going to be with his son. And it's a wonderful promise. I had <clears throat> taught last spring at Chester Lake Camp, Psalm 23. I think I shared that with this, so I was going to do that, and maybe you guys here as well that I was going to do that. But uh, Psalm 23 just uh, came alive this last uh, spring and summer. And in that, uh, I was asked uh, as a result of that to do uh, daily devotions or do devotions twice a week at the uh, at the month-long camp that we were at. And verse 4, uh, which is a, a verse that's usually associated with death, and yet, yet it's not uh, really just a death verse. Yea, though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you're with me. God's with us. That great promise. You think about it. God's with us. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 12. Where can we flee from God's presence? No matter where you go, God's there. In the fullness of his being. Hebrews 13, which I've already quoted 5 and 6. The promise, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Psalm 34, 18. These are just a few of the dozens of promises that God gives that he is with us. It's pervasive, it's personal, and it's powerful. When we rest in that. The next promise. He says, I am thy God. And so this is a promise of his person. He's my God. But I have to ask you the question this morning. Is he your God? Do you know him as your personal Lord and Savior? Or do you just know about him? What do you believe about him? I just finished a series of messages entitled Crucial Questions Jesus Asked. And among those crucial questions, the most crucial is, who do you say that I am? Right? Because if you don't know who Jesus is, you don't have salvation. The signs that John chose in his gospel are signs chosen to tell us who Jesus was, and if we believe that, we are saved, he tells us. Right? Now that's abbreviated. I didn't mention repentance and those other things, but really it's knowing who Jesus is. If he is not all that he claimed to be, I guarantee you he cannot be your Lord and Savior. And so I ask you, is he your God? It's a promise he made to, to his people. I am your God. <clears throat> Third promise. I will strengthen thee. This is a promise of his power. His power. You ever feel weak? Sure you do. I know now what it feels like to feel weak more than ever before. But I can tell you, my voice has not come back this morning as much as usual. Maybe I can blame Steve and the prayer meeting because all of them are out praying on prayer meeting night. But uh, there have been Sunday mornings, May can tell you, I've turned her and said, I don't know if I can get up and speak. 
And when I get up there, time to speak. Lord, give me strength. And, and uh, it's just been great to see the strength that he does give to us. And so it's a promise of his strength. Let me give you again some verses here. This is my mother's favorite, Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We have Psalm 27, 1. Psalm 118, verse 14. Perhaps my favorite promise for strength is Isaiah 40, verses 30 and 31. Let's just flip back and read it together. I'm going to give, start with verse 29. He gives power to the faint and to them that have no might. He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall run up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. If you read the verses preceding that, you'll find out that there's no search searching God's understanding. God understands the strength we need for the day to the hour to live. Philippians chapter 4 verse 13 again read in his context where it says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now that's a promise. Let me tell you this. I can do all things. Doesn't mean I can just go out and be stupid and do anything I want. It means I can do everything as far as being learning contentment. And contentment is something I have to learn. Alright? Am I content? Alright? God says you can be content through Christ. Right? And so don't claim that just as a blanket promise. That promise is in the context really of contentment. And learning contentment. Paul says that's one of the things we have to learn. Contentment does not come naturally to any of us, does it? <coughs> Second Corinthians twelve nine. I think again, this is where Paul had prayed, and I'm still praying for God to heal. I've been thinking the the last couple of days. Well, should I stop praying for that? Uh, because uh, Paul said that he made the request and. Uh, and finally, God simply said, my grace is sufficient. And I believe I can rest in God's sufficient grace. But I'm not giving up praying yet that he might hear me. For his glory. Proverbs 31, 24. Again, another great promise. Proverbs 27, 1 through 3. Promises that he will strengthen me. Promises of power. All right, the fourth promise then that we're going to look at is the promise of his help. He says, I will help thee. I will help thee. And once again, there are many, many verses that we can go to. But two of them that I've especially enjoyed meditating on this. Psalm 121, verse 2, and Psalm 54, verse 4, where he is promised to be our helper. And then the next promise is, I will uphold thee with my righteous, with the right hand of my righteousness. And this is a promise of acceptance. 
This is a promise that God has given to us, that he accepts us. His righteous right hand has reached, has reached out to us. And he's holding us with that, with that, with his righteousness, his right, right hand. And so, a great promise for us to consider. <clears throat> Psalm 145, verse 14, again, is part of that promise. And Psalm 34, verse 24, all references that he will hold us. And then again, he says, the next promise, I, will, I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand. That's a promise of his comfort. The comfort. There were a number of days when we were up north and we would go into the city, into Sault Ste. Marie, to, to get groceries for the week and so on, and get out of the car, start walking across the parking lot, and then he's hanging come on. He comforts us. He is our comfort and our strength. And then just to repeat the last promise, I will help thee. So again, the promise of God's help. So let me wrap it up by remember the heart of the matter. It's always a matter of the heart. God has given us a book. His word. It's his heart to us, reaching out to us to grasp our heart for him. It's small enough to hold in our hands, yet big enough to be studied for life. It's rich enough to satisfy our hearts and minds forever. We need to have the attitude of Godly men in the Bible, where they said not one word of all that God promised has failed. I can tell you, He's not going to start failing now. He keeps His word. Do you treasure God's word? I find today such a lack among Christians in a hunger, desire, and treasure the Word of God. Be like Jeremiah in Jeremiah 15, 16. Thy Word was found. And he goes on and talks about that Word's the joy and rejoicing of his heart. See, is God's Word that to you? Or Job in 23, 12 talks about how he treasured the Word of God. Read Psalm 119 and see how important this God's word was to the psalmist. He meditated on it. It was his delight. It was his joy. And as believers, if we remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. By every word. God's word. Yes, Isaiah was written to the Jews 150 years before Judah went into captivity. But God told them it was going to happen. God prepared them for it. And God was there for them to deliver them. They had to live by the word. It's my prayer that even this morning, these few 
fleeting thoughts that the Lord's challenged me with will encourage you. Two commands, six promises. You do your part. Stop fearing. Stop being dismayed. God will do his part, I promise you. God never fails. Let's pray. Father, for your word, I am so thankful. Your word is that which gives life and vitality to each day. It brings joy into our hearts and lives because it speaks to us of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loved us and gave himself for us. Father, the one that and the only one that can provide eternal salvation. Father, we thank you for this great salvation. We thank you for your presence and your power and your help and your love and care. And Father, Again, as we're reminded in the last hymn, we say, Your faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> I think that's the first time I've ever spoke here in the, mic- in the tape recording video. <laughs> 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 we set a record. You have to put a deadline on me again, Steve. <laughs>